Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here and joining me a very special guest who is going to offer some rare insights on what it is like to be in an NFL front office. Jim Monis, former Buffalo Bills director of player personnel, also former director of player personnel for the San Diego fleet of the AAF. Uh, Jim, um, I could ask you questions about the AAF and XFL all day, but uh, you are here to offer us some insight on even what a director of player personnel does. So what's up, man? Man, Matt, it's good to hear from you again. Um, you know, I just got a, I just got hired. Um, I'm going to be the director of football operations in the, the new XFL. So I did just get a new job in the XFL, so I'm just, you know, looking forward to seeing if we can get that back off the ground and running again. Um, obviously we're in the planning stages right now, so it's early, but, um, yeah, anyway, those leagues are, those leagues have a place, I think, and hopefully we do it right. Uh, fans enjoy it. Well, that is yeah. amazing. Congratulations. Yeah. And, and the Thanks, people, who, people who listen to the show understand how much I watched the XFL and enjoyed the XFL. And I've had a few guests on who have talked about that experience. It, it's, it was going in the right direction, man. I mean, before COVID and it was getting to be really fun. And I think, you know, you've seen guys like PJ Walker goes and, and is an NFL backup and gets some games and Pep Hamilton, I, his name, he's got back to the NFL and he's been around. So like a a lot of the people who are in the XFL have gone on to be in the NFL again for like the third or fourth time with leagues like this. But I thought if not for COVID, I think the XFL would have continued to succeed. I, I think you're right. And I think the important thing, you know, for everybody to remember is it's, it, it, yes, you'd love to give guys another opportunity and guys certainly improve, but it's not always about just guys getting back to the NFL. I mean, it can be a way for guys to play for four or five more years of, and make a living playing a sport they're good at and they love, and just maybe not necessarily good enough to play in the NFL. And there's plenty of players, so yeah, I think it can be a good product. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, and just with I, what I like to see too is that there's so few opportunities in the NFL for quarterbacks who need more development, and yeah. this gives them an opportunity to do that. And uh, maybe maybe we'll see another Tommy Maddox at some point uh, from the original <laughs> XFL. But I'm happy for you, man, and I'm glad that it's coming back. And uh, this is – now, I haven't paid close attention, but The Rock, right, is now your boss? He's part of it. Redbird Capital, The Rock, um, his uh, business partner and ex-wife, um, she is – his business partners so they're a part of it and Redbird Capital so they are kind of you know putting all their investment into it so like I said we're in in the beginning stages and it's a lot for sure but um, definitely everybody has great positive you know energy and, and it feels good to be a part of something 
Yeah, well, uh, I'm excited about it, and I think that's a thing that you need to tell people at parties is that you work for The Rock. Um, so- <laughs> <laughs> Just drop his name. I know. Everybody always brings him up right away. He was on, he was on the Manning cast the other night, and he was doing a good job. So, very cool. So let's talk about what it is yeah. to be a director of player personnel, because as the Vikings go through their uh, GM interviews, that's the role that a lot of the people have that they are bringing in for interviews. And you held down that role from, I believe, 2013 to 2017 with the Bills. Um, and so maybe you could just take me through like what what that is, because I'll tell you the truth. As long as I've been covering the NFL, I've never asked anyone exactly what that job does. It's funny. So when you're the director of personnel, you are basically the GM's, you are the GM's right hand man. I mean, the GM trusts you, you know, he's your guy. He needs you to basically, you're setting the board for free agency and for the draft. And when I say set the board, that means you are basically working with the pro scouting department and the college scouting department. And you really have to find a way to manage your time. And obviously it picks up, you know, this time of year. Um, and you got to prioritize, but basically what you're trying to do is make life a little bit easier for the GM, the, the, the final decision maker to, um, Hey, here's who we're honing in on. Here's who we all like as, as the pro scout, as the director of personnel. Hey, we all like these guys. We're a little bit lukewarm on these guys, you know, and, 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 and you just try to simple for the GM. And so he's not wasting time looking at every single player. That's our job is to look at every single player. When I say our job, the director of personnel is scout. Um, at the end of the day, we're all scouts. You know, that's how we always looked at it. So, you know, you just get different titles and that's how it works. But um, this time of year is when it just ramps up. So explain to me when the Wilfs talk about the Vikings ownership, when they talk about, sure. you know, wanting to have a collaborative effort. I mean, I, I took it as them kind of uh, making a statement a little bit about how things had been run for the Vikings with their decision making. But what, what, what does that look like within a front office? We talk about a collaborative effort because you just have so many people who are all working on this. Like you said, like you have the pro scouts, you have the, the college scouts, you have other people who are a part of this, the analytics department and that kind of thing. And then the general manager is the one who has all the decisions rest on his resume, right? So you worked with Doug Whaley and everything that Doug Whaley did, like that's what everyone on the outside is going to talk about is what he did, what he's done, how he's built, you know, that one guy, um, everybody knows his name, but if it, you know, if it's a, if, if it's working correctly as a collaborative effort within a front office, like, what does that look like? Well, I think it starts, and it's funny you bring it, it starts at the top of the ownership. And, and I've said this, I talk about a lot on our podcast with Tyler and Don on Go Long. I always talk about the, the structure needs to be right. It starts with owners that are willing to spend money, but they need to back off on decisions and let the people they hire make the decisions. And then the next step, and for a lot of these teams right now that are going through it, and the Vikings are one of the teams going through it, you need to identify who you want to have control. Is it the head coach? Is he a final say? Or does the GM have final say? You decide who you want to have final say, in my opinion, that's your first hire. So if you wanted to be the head coach to have all the power, hire him first and let him hire the general manager because those two need to have a relationship and need to be synced up. If the head coach and GM aren't synced up, it's going to be, it's a struggle. And I've been on teams when it's been like that and it's not easy. 
in Buffalo, that was a hard part for us where, you know, we tried to, you know, the coaches tried to get along with us and we tried to get along with the coaches. But at the end of the day, not, you know, we hired Sean McDermott, but at the end of the day, Sean McDermott and Doug Whaley didn't have a previous relationship. And, and Sean didn't feel comfortable with it. He had total control. And he brought in, you know, he got rid of us and brought in Brandon Bean. And, and I've said this before, it's the right decision by McDermott. Even though we got him the interview and got him the job, he made a tough decision and it was the right decision. He brought in a GM who's familiar with and comfortable with. And the results are pretty, <laughs> pretty impressive. So I, I, for the Vikings, I pay attention to that big time. I, whoever they hire first, I want to see if it's a GM first, I want to see if he hires that coach. If they don't have a previous relationship, I just don't know how that works. Yeah, I mean, they, they need to be on the same page. And for a long time, um, you know, Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman were. And then I think where it started to break up was the Kirk Cousins decision where clearly Rick Spielman wanted that done. And I think that ownership wanted that done. And that's the thing I've always been a little bit unclear on because every ownership says, oh, we're going to let the football people do the football things. <laughs> Yes, you're laughing because that's not always true, <laughs> you know. So, and, and, and they have every. And that's the, at the end of the day, they have every right to do whatever they want at the end. Right, and, and that's hard. That's where it can get tricky. Right, and so I, I've never fully understood like the background of the Kirk thing and whether that was the Wilf saying no, we want the expensive quarterback, or if it was Spielman, or if Zimmer was reluctantly agreeing to it, and then. But but the thing is that Zimmer seemed to resent the decision the entire time that Kirk Cousins has been here. And, of course, by the end, I don't blame him because the results weren't what they wanted them to be. But, you know, at the same time, like that was a key decision that was made where they weren't on the same page seemingly from the very start. And it started to create like that's where the finger pointing comes from when it doesn't work out. That's where the resentment comes from. And Mike Zimmer had said at the combine, hey, if we sign this expensive quarterback, we're not going to be able to keep my defense. And then it all came to fruition. And that, and that's where it felt like there was a lot of headbutting. Oh, no question. And if, if that is true, then that, that is there is no that is the obvious reason why this thing fell apart. Um and, and it, it just can't happen that way. It, I'm telling you, man, if a coach doesn't want a player and you force that player on the coach, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It, it's really hard. It, it's, it's not it, it really when, okay. So back to the collaborative effort. Yes. That effort to me means the decision makers at the top at least need to be insane. The GM and head coach should not be arguing over, especially the quarterback. Now, if you're over, you're arguing over a fourth round pick, hey, that happened. Hey, I'll take, hey, I'll eat that one. But, you know, the GM would say, hey, coach, I know you don't like them, but hey, scouts like them, we like them, we're going to take the guy in the fourth round. Sorry. And we did that in Buffalo. And I got to tell you, it didn't work either. Like, there are guys we took in Buffalo, Doug Marone didn't want. Um, and he was correct on some of those guys. And he did, I give Doug Marone credit. He tried to work with them. But there were some offensive linemen we drafted that he was not fans of that our scouts were and we were, and they didn't pan out. And, but I will give Malone credit. Try. Um, he did try to make it work for those guys. You know, I never really quite understand why coaches are, and I'm, and I'm sure it would be impossible to keep them away from this. So maybe that's part of it. But 
why coaches are involved in that process to begin with, because it just seems like they're not, it isn't their job to scout people. And yet we've heard from the Vikings. Oh yeah. We let this, this position coach draft that guy. Like, wait, what? I mean, like what, but, but why did you do that? Since you have an entire, maybe you can explain it to me, but it always seemed to be counterintuitive to have an entire college scouting general manager, director of player personnel, all these people watching it. And then the coach comes in and says, no, I want that guy. Like, it just seems like, why does it work that way when they're not watching the tape and they're not going out on the road and they're not doing those things until really the very end when they come in and and do these, you know, studies on these uh, players that they might pick. It's, it really happens, and it really happens with the teams that have new staffs. And this is where it gets tricky. You're, you're hitting on some major, major um, good points on why front offices and the drafts don't work. Because, to your point, every scout will always tell you, just if you just let the coaches out of it, this would be so much easier. The more people you involve, I'm telling you, the headache just gets bigger and bigger. But what happens is, you get a new coaching staff, which the Vikings are about to get. New staff, new scheme, scouts are the same. Hey, so now what you do is, you know, as a director of college scout and director of personnel, you're saying, here's our draft board right now. But do these guys, you have to have the coaches look at these players because this new system, whether it's offense or defense, do they fit your style? Mm-hmm. Which that's a whole other topic. I don't want to get into because I'm a big believer in if you can play, you can play. Like, it doesn't matter the system. You know, 3-4 and 4-3 is what you're always going to hear is the biggest headache for scouts. Whether, and, and it's true. Obviously, certain guys fit a 3-4 more than they do a 4-3. That is true. But at the end of the day, any coach that I've been around, any great coach I've been around, they use those players for their talent. So the fact, whatever they do well, that's what a coach will use that guy. That's how he'll go use it. And that, those are the coaches I love being around. Um, Rex Rex Ryan loved the draft. Like he was really into it. He was a good evaluator. Um, he was really into it. And Rex's big thing was always, "I'll use him. Whatever he does well, let's use him. Use him that way." And that's the guys you like working with. It's the guys that start eliminating players. Oh, he doesn't fit what we do. And he's a good player. It's like that's when you put your head back as a scout. And you're like, "Oh, you're making it so hard on us." Yeah, you. <laughs> It's just, I'm telling you, every team right now, it, it's this time of year, it's fun. You know, they're getting ready to all go to the Senior Bowl. Senior, you know, have you been down to the Senior Bowl? I have never been to the Senior Bowl. I go to the Combine every year, but I haven't combine. been to okay. uh, I didn't know Mobile. Covered. Yeah, you ever, yeah, well, you're not missing anything. That's what I was going to say. You just see all the coaches. It's just, it, it's a strange, it's just strange setup. But anyway, everybody's just sitting there looking at the same players. Every every team will have a different opinion on every player. It's really fast. Well, well, the story that I loved the most from the uh, from the Senior Bowl was Dave Gettleman watching Daniel Jones throw like three passes and deciding he was going to be the quarterback. And again, you talk about the collaborative effort, and that's how it happens. I mean, there's so there's so many of these things that are funny. Uh, like even the stories from Washington of Daniel Snyder just walking down from the you know whatever the top and saying, "No, we're drafting this guy in the first round," and they're like. Okay, well, the, we just did all this work on our first round pick, and the owner just picked whoever he saw the highlight reel of on TV. Or whatever. I mean, some of these things are are just crazy that NFL organizations operate this way when there's a structure in place to try and get these things right. I'm fortunate enough that I the two coaches I've been around, I've been around 
the two coaches I've been around that there's a there's a reason they win all the time. Andy Reid and Sean Payton. The way they operate is incredible. And I'm talking about personnel-wise. They they rely on their scouts. They trust their scouts. They do. They want their coaches involved. And I think that's important. I think the coaches, the coaches do have to be involved. But you have to, you have to determine who had the coach, the head coach, when he has the vision, especially if he's in control with Sean Payton, Andy Reid, they're all, they, they were the, they were the decision makers at the end of the day for those, the Saints and Chiefs now, Eagles and Iowa. But they are the decision makers. That doesn't mean that they're going to just, like, you know, if they, if they don't like a guy, I mean, if they like a guy and nobody else does, they'll back off sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll, they'll listen. But just look at those teams, how they draft. Look at the Saints and look at the Chiefs. They draft really well. And, and there's a reason they have the same scouting staff, they, the same coaching staff, so it's in intact. They know each other. Like when I worked for the Saints for eight years, I knew, I mean, I could go to a school, watch a guy and be like, oh, I know our, I know our coaches are like this. Mm-hmm. Like there is something to be said for the guy that's been there for a while, and I just think there's a, a, a direct correlation to these teams that draft well and they've been together for a while. And the head coaches have a clear vision. Mike Tomlin, same way in Pittsburgh, they, they do a nice job drafting for what they like, for what they need. So the funny thing is, a lot of these teams have tried. Like I'm thinking about this now. Like obviously the Chiefs, you know, they hit on the home. We made that trade with them, but. You know, that changes everything too. Like the Steelers and Saints, you see what happens to them as their quarterbacks got old Breeze and, and Roethlisberger. They didn't have a replacement on hand. And the Saints got desperate and then they said, Hey, we'll give Winston a shot. And that's And, you know, they're messing around with all these guys. They, the Saints don't have a quarterback and the Steelers don't have a quarterback on them mm-hmm. right now. And these are the, these are the teams that do it better than anybody. So that's how hard it is to find a quarterback going to that part. But the teams that stay together and have a clear decision maker, though, it's just, it's a direct correlation right there in front of you. And the teams of, that are always changing coaches and changing GMs, it's hard to get hard. Right. And, and you said it though, that when you have Roethlisberger and Breeze, everything becomes a lot easier, right? <laughs> and, and I, I think. You know, yeah, every, I tell, yeah, eight, 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 and eight. Like when you start going into that eight and eight, seven and nine, nine and seven range, you can, you can t- like the Eagles and Steelers this year. You know, they get into the playoffs because an extra team gets in. But were they playoff teams? You know, would you look at them and say, "Oh, they're, things aren't good for those teams. They have some major decisions to make right now." Yeah, and they just made the playoffs. So. You know, it, it's it's funny. You can spin things a certain way, but you have to really be honest with yourself, especially as a director of personnel after a season two. Another thing a director of personnel wants to do is be honest with everybody. Say, hey, we're not good enough to be positioned. We're, you know, and we used to have a divisional draft chart, you know, divisional draft board too. Like every team's depth, like who has the best safety in the division, you know, rank the safety, who has the best corner. See where your team lines up in your division. Mm-hmm. To really get a feel, because you know, goal is always to win your division first. Take care of your division. So it, it really, I'm, I, the teams that stay together and have a straight uh, communication of and know who's in power. Those are the teams I feel like draft well, consistent. 
Folks, we've got an even better offer to tell you about from Soda Stick. If you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, one word, you can get 15% off your purchase. That's right, at SodaStick.com, your place for Minnesota sports-inspired apparel. You can get 15% off just by using the code PURPLEINSIDER. I've told you about all the great football designs, but they've added a few more, including the Axe is Back for Minnesota football fans. You can get that on a shirt, on a hat, and also Randy Moss is the GOAT, the Purple People Eaters, Bud Grant designs for the old school fan, plus the hockey and basketball teams are both actually exciting this year, and Soda Stick has you covered there as well. Go to SodaStick.com, that is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, and use the code PURPLEINSIDER for 15% off. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's it's always a funny thing from a media perspective, Jim, because um, you have, I would say, certain certain people who want to. How can I like? How can I put this correctly? Like, agree with everything the team does all the time, <laughs> and yeah. and it's funny, you know, who will be like, why why are you so critical of this move or that move? And I always want to say, like, I guarantee you, inside that building, half the people are being critical of this move too, right? Like when, you know what I mean? And, and so maybe you could speak to that of just, you know, being self-critical and what those conversations are like as you look at your roster and you look at your past moves that either worked or didn't work. Because I think that's a very interesting process. Uh, because I think that the worst thing you could probably have is the arrogance to think that you've got it right all the time uh, when it comes to all the draft picks and everything else. Well said, Matt. Sean Payton used to say he he was never afraid to cut a, a draft pick. I'm talking like preseason. Mm-hmm. Like, hey guys, it's not working. Uh, he might have been a third round pick, fourth round pick. Hey, it's not going to work. His big thing is don't if you, if you recognize it, don't if you give him some opportunities, if you don't feel comfortable working with him, move on. And that 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 always stuck with me because. As a scout, we're going to sit there to the end. And, you know, you want to be right. And right. you're going to sit there. I'm telling you, if you look, I, I saw with guys we drafted that I thought, I'd be, I, a good example is Sammy Lockett, mm-hmm. where I never heard anybody say that he wasn't going to be a great player. Like, I'm talking scouts, coaches, everybody likes Sammy. Now, now the argument is, shouldn't we have traded up for Sammy? Right. No. Obviously, that was proven a horrible mistake by us. But we were kind of... You know, we felt like that guy could help us. We had EJ Manuel, so we wanted to take shot, get EJ a quarterback. I mean, you know, number one type wide out. But then I'm telling you, soon, soon, all of a sudden, it, we, we, Sammy's not dominating. 
all of a sudden, well, shouldn't have traded up for that guy. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? That would have been nice. Somebody would have talked about that before we decided to. I mean, <laughs> there's nobody, you know what I'm saying? It's funny how it comes out afterwards. And that, you know, it's just funny how it comes out afterwards sometimes. But to your point, yes, people will look at you in the building and half the people like, nope, nope, didn't want that guy. Didn't want him. And that's when it, there, there's always a rule. Once we draft a guy, he's on our team and let's move on. That, that's kind of what you always would tell people, but yeah, you, know, you just don't know. People talk, coaches talk to each other. They talk to other teams. Oh, where did you, you know, did you guys like that guy? No, I didn't either. I don't know why we took. Yeah, but that's the thing. We don't get and a scout. Nobody asks us to call plays, right? So coaches, you know, we don't get involved in your stuff. So how, why do coaches get involved in the scouting part? And that's where it just goes. And I'm telling you, we could go back and forth on this all day. Co- coaches and, and front office and scouts. I tell you, there's some of the classic battles that people don't even know exist. Oh, uh, well, I think Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman made it clear that they exist over these last couple of years. It sounds like it, yeah. <laughs> when uh, the head coach is at the podium saying that he does not not particularly want to see Kellen Mond uh, play, I, I think that we were pretty clear that maybe there was some disagreement on the feelings there. Uh, le- how about this, Jim, since you've worked with different GMs? Uh, yeah. t- tell me your ideal GM. Uh, because one thing that's hard for us is just when they hire someone, we're going to go like, okay. Well, that's the per- it's hard to break down. Like I don't know the guy, right? So, um, but but tell me what what your if you were to make a GM in a lab, and and to say this is the type of person that's going to have success in the NFL based on your experience. Like what traits would they have? I would love to know to ask him how do you build how do you build your perfect team? Mm-hmm. Build your team. And we did this when we interviewed coaches, when we interviewed for head coaches with Sean McDermott, Anthony Lynn, we interviewed for the head job and some other guys. But we would ask them to rank their positions of priority after quarterback, obviously. Give us your top five positions you have to have, you know, as far as, you know, being the right guy for your team. And each coach had different. Like, it was very interesting to do that. And I think that's important to do with a GM, too. So obviously everybody's going to come and say, Jimmy. like for me, if I ever interview for a GM job, I, I always tell people my thing would be really simple. And you're going to say, okay, first we need to find the right quarterback. Obviously, right? We all know that. Yeah. The second thing, I'm building a defense to, to destroy the other team's quarterback. It's the only way you're beating, the only way you're beating Mahomes or Josh Allen or Aaron Rodgers is pass rush. It's not pass coverage, pass rush. That's what beats the other quarterback. I don't care how great a quarterback you are, the great equalizer is that. See, that's interesting. I I might look at it as to make Josh Allen, he better have Stephon Diggs and Cole Beasley and Emmanuel Sanders in an offensive line, right? Like that would that'd probably be where I would. Although from watching the Vikings, I might start with offensive line because good God, it's just been so, it's like been so bad. Uh, but for for me, it would be. Who, who can be my Justin Jefferson? Who can be my Stephon Diggs? Who is going to take my quarterback to the point where he knows where he's going with the football every single play? Like Aaron Rodgers is such a marvelous player, but he's always had that guy that he could trust in a big situation and throw a back shoulder fade into, you know, into double coverage to Devontae Adams like I watched him do in Green Bay. That's probably where I would start. So it's interesting that you would start with the pass rush. I would go, because here's why. 
I was been around Donovan McNabb. We never had, you know, we had, uh, I was out of Philly when they brought Terrell FPO in mm-hmm. the year they made the Super Bowl. But other than that, we didn't have, we didn't have household names at receiver, mm-hmm. but we were unstoppable on offense. When I was with New Orleans, we had Marcus Colson, Devery Henderson, Robert Meacham, tight end, good running back. We didn't have a true number one wide out. Colston was a, Colston was a really good, good player, but I mean, not a game breaker with speed or anything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, some of these guys are, they were all good and fit what the offense is. They were all made better because of the quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's kind of where I'm coming from, where to me, when you find the right quarterback, he will make, now I'm not saying you don't want to get him good players. But yeah. If you can add a big to a Josh Allen, please, by all means. But that's, that's a good job I've built. And that's, that's the advantage they had. They could do that because Allen at the time was still on the rookie field. Right. Right. I mean, so, really, really, the answer is like all, you, you know, all these things. Wow. It's, you're right. right. Like, you who wins the Super Bowl? Every team has, right. Yeah. How many good, right. We used to say, come on. Every team, everybody always wants to complain about the offensive line, right? That's everybody says, oh, we need to get better line. But at the end of the day, Doug Marone always said, you know, three of these guys got to be good. Right. Two can be average. You know, stuff like that on an offensive line. So, you know, it, it's tricky. Get the quarterback in place, the window officially opens. You know, and that's the bill that Buffalo is going through it right now. Their window is open. Kansas City has done a great job maxing out their window. I mean, within the Super Bowl, what, twice now from home. So, you know, that's how I look at it. Once you get the quarterback, your window's open. You have about five, six years to get to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and you know that's a so the positional value conversation is so interesting to me because I think of like I, I think of like offensive line and cornerbacks safety secondary in general as being like like weak link. So you, they have to all be good, but it's not like you have to have Deion Sanders or you have to have Willie Rofe. Like, you, no. they, but they just but they can't have gigantic holes. And this is where the Vikings, I think, just completely missed was their two tackles the entire time uh, over the last four years have been good. It was Riley reef. And then this year, Christian Derisaw played well, Brian O'Neill's a fantastic player uh, yet one or two guys, the opponent could just attack over and over and over again with that one player. We saw this even with uh, the chargers where they're playing their backup right tackle and Max Crosby is just eating him alive. And like, I think the same thing goes for corners where if you have one player that's struggling, even if you, you have the best corner in the world on the other side, it's going to hurt you. Whereas one guy on the defensive line can take over a Nick Bosa can take over a Max Crosby can take over a game. You just can't have one corner who takes over a game. Hard. So hard. It, to your point, basically what you're saying, and I would agree, you just don't want a player that has a fatal flaw. Right. That somebody that is just going to be exposed by another. Um, and, and that's your, and that's really what you're saying because you can scheme, you can help a, a backup right tackle. Now it takes away from your offense because right. you're going to have to spend time chipping and, and you can help. But that's the issue when you have to help. It takes away from your offense, right? And there's not a whole lot you can do if the guy can't play at all. Like if well, right, and that's you know, the other thing. It's fatal flaw, it's fatal flaw, right. and there are guys like that. I mean, you don't find out, you know, think they're good backups, and all of a sudden you, you put them on the, in the light, and it's like light shines on them, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, you can't do it, right? And we have so seen that. that 
We've seen that too many times here, Jim. <laughs> well, times. we've seen it. Um, just looking at the right tackle who's limping around. Um, Tristan Wirfs. Oh, yes, Tampa. That's what I was going to say. Tampa, when, when he went out. I mean, he tried to come back in. He couldn't even walk. He mm-hmm. tried. They still tried. <laughs> just to see if he could do anything. I mean, it tells you how, you know, you don't. it's hard to find out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, on the offensive line, it's like no, on the one, offensive line. no one ever, no one ever has depth. I mean, that's, uh, there's always throughout a season for us, it'll be like, well, why don't they play this backup guy? And you're like, look, if he ain't playing, it's a big, it's a big problem. Trust me. Um, no question. No question. But let me ask you about scouting quarterbacks because it's yeah. just the most interesting mm-hmm. thing. I mean, other than games, it's the most interesting thing in the sport is trying to figure out which quarterbacks will be good. Uh, I have come around to just feeling like you can pick out the guys who are the first round talents, but whether they work out, I don't know, but it was, your, I, but it was your job to pick out the first round talents. So tell yeah. me, tell me about that. Like when you would scout quarterbacks, what that process is like, what you are looking for, and how you determine whether a guy has the potential, because once they get there, who knows, but has the potential to be a franchise quarterback. I think I think you can, you know, I think a lot of the physical ability on tape kind of always jump out to everybody, right? So once the physical kind of jumps out, like, poof, there's nothing he can't do physically, then it's time to dive into this guy. And you need to know how smart and how tough. And if they're smart and tough, then you got your guy. I mean, you don't need to overanalyze these quarterbacks. It's physical ability, smart, tough. And the, and and honestly, I don't know exactly how you would rank those those three things: intelligence, toughness, physical ability. One can be if something's elite, like if the physical ability is elite, but maybe the toughness, maybe he's not the you know, you know, Jared Goff was a guy who never was considered like a come out, you know, just a tough guy that's going to find a way to win anything. Because in college, I, was, I wasn't a big golf fan in college because I didn't think he won big games. I didn't think he really played and won big games with Cal. Um, I didn't see that in him to elevate his. Yeah, he can throw the ball. That's yeah, he's accurate. Yeah, he can do all that. But where's the mobility? Where's the where's the special? What are we getting in this number one pick? What's so special about him? Then you look at Mahomes. Well, we spent time with him. Obviously, the physical ability was like, couldn't even believe it. And then you spend time with him. Crazy smart. Crazy tough. Should have been the first pick of the draft. The whole NFL missed on him. The whole NFL missed on him. Because he was, he was a little wild in college with the way he played. And he still does it. He saw it this year a lot. Yep. To be honest, this is the first year where Mahomes kind of looked like he did on tape at Texas Tech. Where he's just running around making plays that you cringe at, that he gets away with sometimes and doesn't get away with. So basically to your point, I'm saying find the, find the three things, physical, smart, tough, how you, or if they're all elite, should be your guy. It's still not 100%. Though. No, nothing is ever 100%. Nothing's 100%. I mean, I love Justin Fields. I mean, I thought he was smart, tough, and had all the physical ability. I mean, I, but... I mean, look at him come games this year. I mean, it looked like, you know, he looked out of place. And that guy's as talented as I think he could find. I love Justin Fields. I think he's going to be a great player. I really do. But look how hard it is for these rookies. I mean, all these rookies this year. 
And you never know what system they're going to be put in and uh, what type of offensive line. They had probably three or four weaknesses on his offensive line. So oh, think uh, about that. It was, I, mean, that's bizarre. I mean, look at this, what the Jets went through this year on the offensive line. And Wilson was – Wilson was another guy. I mean, I, is he smart enough? Is he tough enough? Seems to be, but I didn't scout him, so I don't know. But the physical ability obviously caught everybody's attention. But he came was too fast for him this year. Yep. Hey, Wilson, the game was too fast for him. He did not see things quick, and, and he, was a, he was a mess. I mean, look how well they played when Josh Johnson was in there and, and Flacco and Mike White. I mean, those guys came in and had more success than the rookies. So it's it's interesting to me that you have simplified this because on the interwebs, when you read draft reports, they are 7,000 words long and they talk about, you know, how the guy, uh, you know, does his fingernails or something like it's all it's down to these ridiculous details that couldn't possibly make a difference. And so I always think of like the more the more it sounds like you're making it up the more it probably is the case that you're making it up when I'm reading uh, a lot of draft reports, because there's so many things like here's, here's what I, I, and you tell me if I'm wrong, but when I read, when I read someone says this guy has great processing as a quarterback, I'm like, how do you know? I mean, how, like, and, and how do you know how that's going to translate? Because I mean, the, the game is so much different. It's so much faster. The offenses are so much different. And my friend Sage Rosenfels trains quarterbacks, and he's like, dude, they don't know anything about NFL offenses or defenses. It's crazy. So how they're going to no. process it, you don't know until he gets in the building. And that's why when, when you interview these guys, you seriously try to install like what we would do with, like when we worked out Mahomes and Trubisky and Deshaun Watson, we would spend the, the night, you know, we would spend the morning with them and install we would do like an install of, of what, you know, whatever our offense was at the time. Do that in the morning and then take, you know, blah, 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 go through the interview process, teach it a little bit, and then go out to the field and then see if he can remember everything that they just were taught in classroom. Mm-hmm. Stuff like that is how in-depth you go to see how quickly to go to the processing point to see if they can remember take it from the classroom to the field. So we did that, and really, Trubisky, Watson, and Mahomes are all outstanding with their intelligence. All of so there's no gap there. So t- give me, uh, give me a story of a guy, a quarterback that you were absolutely right on, and you tell everybody about, and give me one that you were absolutely wrong about, and you never speak of. <laughs> so. The wrong one for me, and this goes back, I, I can claim my, my youth and inexperience as a scout, but Byron Leftwich when he was at Marshall. I love Byron Leftwich. Okay, I was the Northeast scout for the Philadelphia Eagles, and they practiced early in the morning, like 6.30 a.m., some crazy time they would practice in the morning at Marshall. And it was a downpour. It was rainy, but they still went out. So I'm out there with, a, you know, you're out there with an umbrella, and he was just whipping the ball around in the rain, and I'm like, oh, this. Guy. And then obviously we all know the story of how he played hurt. Yep. And like, so smart, so tough, accurate passer. But what I wasn't putting enough on was, and, and at the time our director of college scouting in Philadelphia, his name's Mark Ross. He's with the NFL Network now, but he's the one that was pointing this out. He's like, Jim, I know you love this guy, but he does have some issues. I'm like, what? I don't see any issues. He's like, slow feet, slow release can't get out of things. That's going to be an issue in the NFL. It happens. Things are happening so fast. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, he'll be fine. He'll be fine. 
but you know, and he, he proved to be right. I mean, that's what we were talking about earlier. Do you have fatal flaws? Right. That, that, you know, and that's the part that, that can be scary. Um, because then once you take them, those things aren't getting better. His feet aren't going to get quicker. The release isn't going to change that much. Um, I'll say a guy that I, I don't know if I should take, I don't want to take credit for this, but I will say that guys question this player, um, because of his release. And I loved everything about him was Philip Rivers. Mm-hmm. That was a guy that I had no worries about. Now, was he a great athlete? No, but he wasn't, he wasn't a stiff. Yes, we all remember him as a pocket passer, and I don't know if I've ever seen anybody throw better, you know, under pressure than Philip Rivers. When the pocket was collapsing, it never seemed to fade him. But his, everybody was so worried about his release. I was like, I can't believe, like, you know, basketball player, you don't worry about how, you know, they can make it, they make the shot. That's right. how they do it. And his, his release was just a little different, but it was still pretty quick and crazy accurate, and arm strength was there, and so that was a guy I felt like when I was a young scout too that, you know, we debated on, there was a lot of debate on Rivers, is he good enough or not? And I felt good. I stood by him and, and that one worked out pretty well. But, you know, I, hey, I swung and missed on, you know, we, we took some chances on players like Cardell Jones. And shoot, we drafted Nate Peterman. We thought he could be a number two. Yeah. You yeah. Know, we thought he could be into a number two and he got thrown into the fire way too fast. And, and, you know, but those guys are more, those are your mid-round guys. You now, know, those guys are trying to, yeah. Well, I, sorry, I was going to ask. I, I heard with that Cardell Jones pick that you guys were going to take Dak if he was there. Is that oh, true? We were. We, okay. were. we were. Yep. We had a compensatory, so we couldn't trade up. Um, but we had Dak in for our one of our 30 visits. And, uh, we had Cardell in, too. Dak was definitely a guy everybody was excited about, at that point especially. Hmm. But he, Dak would be a guy I'd put on my, where I had a top of the second round grade on a guy like that. You know, I love Dak, and he's proven me right. I mean, he, 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 he's what I thought he would be. He's a little better even than I probably thought he would be. Well, he has those things that you're talking about. I mean, the intelligence and the toughness, right? I mean, the- he, it was his leadership, toughness, intelligence, it just shined. And his ability is good. Like, you wouldn't put his ability as, you know, I wouldn't consider him an elite physical talent. You know, he's got good size, good arm, good. You know, I wouldn't say he's an elite physical talent. Right. He's elite with his intelligence. He's elite with his tough. It's so it's so interesting to me how you know we could try to look at all these different things and we talk about. I mean, isn't it funny about you know just all the all the silly things that we come up with for? I like this guy because of this. I like that. And what does it come down to? It's like the same things that you would have said about John Elway back in the day. Well, he's big and giant and throws it real hard and he's really tough. There you go. There you go. I'm the football. I'm a big believer. Like, Like I always used to tell our scouts, like the more you write, the less you know. Like, if you're going to sit there and just keep writing and writing about a guy, I, what, can, what else do you need to tell me? I, you know. Well, so That's I, how I, I approached homework on. back in the day when I was a hey, kid. Was... <laughs> so true, right? Whenever you were like, I'm not sure, you just felt like the more you write, maybe they'll give me a good grade. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. Let me ask you one more question, Jim. This has been amazing uh, insight. Uh, what would you do with Kirk Cousins? So I – can't tell you how long and how much I've watched Kirk over these years. Um, and I study these guys hard now too. Every week I love watching him. Kirk Cousins is one of the strangest quarterbacks and hardest quarterbacks 
to make decisions on, I think, for personnel and coach. Because he's not, he's not elite. Okay. I think we all would agree. He's not a top 10 quarterback right now. Is he a top 15? He is. I really believe he's a top 15. He's in that 10 to 15 range yep. and he's ranked quarterback. And that's okay to have. If you're going to have a quarterback that's in that 10 to 15 range, you better have a great defense. You better have a great defense. Because those guys are just, those 10 to 15s aren't good. And that's why, I, that to me is where I feel like Minnesota has fallen off, where yep. I don't think their defense isn't what it used to be. They, they used to always, you know, and that's Zimmer's thing. So, to me, okay, I guess I'm dancing around your question. Are, are you asking me would I move on from Kirk Cousins? You know, yes. that stuff is what you get. That's the, those, that then now, what's the first question if you're going to move on from somebody who's just replaced? Right. You know, if they don't have them in the building right now, what's the plan? So that's all the stuff I'd have to look more into their situation money-wise and draft-wise. But And I, you know, I haven't studied these, these quarterbacks. But that's, if you don't have the guy in the building, it, it, that's scary. That's scary because it's hard can you just automatically snap your fingers and think the guy you're drafting is going to be a top 15 quarterback, which Cousins is cooler than he is? So that's a hard one. I, I They're in a tough spot. If you can keep him at your price, you know. Right, but you can't. <laughs> that, that's the problem, right, is that when you put up the numbers that he's put up, you can't just tell him, hey, how about 25 mil? Right, that seems more reasonable for you because that's not how it works. It's you either get paid top money or you get paid rookie contract money, and that's what makes it hard. And the thing that I would say about who's his replacement is, well, what difference does it make when you were just going eight and eight and nine, and when you were just going seven and nine? Right, like fair enough, fair enough. But the other, like I said, though, is the plan? Can the plan be, hey, we keep Kirk? This is our plan to get the defense right. Right. As far right. as hey, getting these guys back, Hunter's coming, you know, we got these guys coming back healthy. We got this and that. You, you, the only way you can, uh, to me, the only way you're getting to the Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins is you better have a great defense. Right. He's and, not going to be the reason to get there. And that's the tough part because building a number one defense is really hard and there's a lot of moving really parts hard. and then nobody can get hurt. And then, you know what I mean? So <laughs> it's a, it's. I, no, I agree. I, I just. Uh, I, I just look at the teams right now playing. Look at this first weekend in football. I mean, it wasn't a secret. Josh Allen, Mahomes. We're going to see Aaron Rodgers this week. You know, the great quarterbacks are moving right along. Yep, exactly. So, Jim, uh, this was super insightful, man. I can't thank you enough. Former director. I always appreciate. No, man, you, you, your questions are really funny, man. You, you, you're tapping into some. You know, you talk to anybody in personnel and coaching. It, it's an it's an age old head butting debate. Between coaches and scouts. Well, so you're tapping into some right stuff. Well, what's great for us is that it always creates drama. <laughs> oh, I can't even tell you. I can't even tell you. <laughs> I know. I'm sure we don't even know the half. So, uh, former director of player personnel for the Buffalo Bills. You also were a scout for the Eagles and Saints, as you mentioned. And congratulations on the new XFL gig. I can't wait for it, um, and I'm very excited uh, to, to see the relaunch of that and get it back on track. And so I'm excited for you as well. Uh, uh, I'm so glad that we could get together and that you're always helpful to me uh, when if I need a you know something, a question, an article, whatever. And I'm always helpful to you if your podcast has issues with audio. <laughs> you carried us, man. You 
we, we were we were rookies. We didn't. You, you carried us. You got us established, and we're still kicking. We're still going strong. So. Well, I appreciate One that. Yeah, that's the um, wow. go, the Go Long podcast with Tyler Dunn is, is what you do. So people should check that out. Tyler comes on the show. He's a great friend. So I appreciate it, man. Really great to get together. And I uh, hope we can do it again. Yeah, hey, Matt, anytime. And really appreciate um, all your good questions. Man. It's really challenging. I like it.